a Podcast One production. with Greta Lee Jackson, where I speak to well-known or successful people about moments where they failed and it eventually turned into something that helped them on the road to success. You know when you realise you're not very good at something you wish you were good at? I'm not sure when I realised that stand-up wasn't really for me. I think it had been niggling away in the back of my head for so long, like a loose tooth in primary school, and I just kept poking at it with my tongue, hoping it would go away. I can't even pinpoint the light bulb moment that led me to quit the stand-up circuit. It could have had something to do with the fact that I had lived overseas for two years and, out of sheer laziness, neglected to write one single new joke. Because new city means the material is new too, right? Or the fact that I was testing out one terrible joke about the guy who wrote the Centrelink music realising they'd ripped him off while on the phone to Centrelink and thought rather than persevere and get it right, it'd be easier to just give up. And I don't give up easily, unless it's dance classes or diets or screenplays about the trials and tribulations of a single woman who lives in the city. Ah, who am I kidding? Giving up is the only thing I haven't given up. Maybe the start of me standing down from stand-up was when I gave up halfway through Melbourne Comedy Festival. When I was overseas, I was living in a great part of town, in a nice apartment and working consistently as an editor in reality television. And I came back to Australia to tour a one-hour solo show I had developed, which was entirely about murder. To save money on accommodation, I borrowed a friend's van, drove it down to Melbourne and slept in a mattress in the back at night. I went from living in Hollywood on the Sunset Strip and earning good money in television to being homeless, on Centrelink and sleeping in a van voluntarily. Very few people came to the show and those that did were often reviewers that hated it and published accounts of how they hated it. From that, I rapidly spiralled into a black pit of self-hatred and basically spent my days drinking myself into a stupor to lessen the dread of going on stage that night. I felt like a total failure, so I bailed. What's the point in being in a perpetual state of drunken dread? And maybe that's when I started to give up stand-up. And that's always been hanging over me ever since, not being funny. Sometimes, quite literally, because when I first met Tanya Hennessy at a panel for female content makers, we had to sit beneath a giant billboard emblazoned with the words, women aren't funny, as we and others desperately tried to prove the opposite. I don't know if we were successful that night, but Tanya is one funny, successful woman. She has had hit after hit online with her videos after her realistic makeup tutorial went viral. With over a million fans online and people leaving comments saying, you are my spirit animal under her videos, she's made a living out of being herself and accidentally saying what we're all thinking. I look up to Tanya as an effortlessly confident and charismatic pop culture barometer and realising when I met her that we both had imposter syndrome, I instantly felt like I'd known her for years. Which is probably why we skipped the usual formalities and launched straight into talking about what was on our minds. I'm about to start a new job and I am terrified and I'm worried that I'm going to get found out that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not good enough as everybody else. I'm going to get the flick. And how old are you? How old are you? 
33. <laughs> 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 okay, can we not? Can we not? Um, it's so weird because, like, you think it'll go away and you think, like, it'll stop and then you're still at 33 going, oh, fuck, I still feel like I'm an imposter. Yeah. I feel like that every single day. Like, yeah. we're recording this at Channel 10. Yeah. And it's so weird because uh, I work here and I still think that I'm going to get fired every time I come in. Like, Isn't that weird? It's such a weird feeling. I never feel comfortable. I always feel like I'm on the precipice of getting fired and found out. I'm so paranoid of failing. And yeah. I feel like no matter how much perceived success I have, it doesn't feel the way I thought it would feel. Yeah, well, you, you get to that point and you go, oh, well, now it'll all be okay. Oh, no, no, on the way up to the point, you think, oh, it'll be all right. And then you get to the point, you're like, oh, shit. It's all over. It's all starting all over again. Yeah. Or you thought when you get to the point, it becomes easy and you love yourself or you love your life. But for me, I feel like I've gotten to the point several times because I have very low self-esteem and I've... Uh, Do you? Yeah, I know. And it's so hard for people to, like, understand that. I think I'm perceptually so confident, but, like internally, every time I do a video, every time I do stuff, I'm always like, this is shit, you're shit. And it takes me weeks and weeks to motivate to get myself up, to get in front of the camera. And then when I'm editing, I'm so judgmental. I'm like, oh God, like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't mind this. And you have to edit yourself. Very I rarely. I hate editing myself. You just see every little fault. Yeah. I just, I just, I never thought I would amount to much. So every time I achieve anything, I'm always like, oh my God. I'm like Taylor Swift. You know how every time she wins an award, she's like, oh my God, that's me. I'm like, oh my God, someone's like watching my shit. Like, I just always thought that I would end up working at a fish and chip shop. So like, nothing wrong with working at a fish, shop, fish and chip shop. Fucking how good are scallops? But like, yeah, totally. <laughs> I just never, I never thought I would amount to anything and I think that's why I've worked so hard and pushed myself so much I'm so hard on myself are you hard on yourself I'm all like, the time all so the time there's myself. a note on my phone saying don't be so hard on yourself <laughs> yeah. and I'm listing the stuff that I've done because I'm like you're really you, you fucking nothing I like last month I was going you've done nothing uh, and then I was like no stop you've got to list stuff and not be so hard yeah, yeah, but isn't it all about perception? Because you and I have talked about this before because I'm like, you've worked for the ABC, like you've got an ABC show under your belt. Like I've always wanted that and you have that and you're like, eh. But I'm like, what you shouldn't I want, be like, you eh, have. it's huge. I want what you have. We always want what everybody else yeah. has. Like I want small boobs. Like my <laughs> boobs are so giant. I'm just so sick of them. I just want to cut them off. Where do you think that comes from, the, the, the wanting to achieve really badly, never thinking you'd amount to anything? Is that like... I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm from Newcastle. I don't, know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I've always been this way. I can't remember a time. When you were a kid or something, so you were like needed to prove something or get approval or... I think I've always wanted my dad's approval. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's yeah. the same. I, I totally, I totally agree. Both my parents. Yeah, my dad's like a businessman. And he's like a money man. Mm. And I've always been like, oh, look at me. I do the arts. And he's like, get a real job. And it's not been to the last couple of years where I've... I guess he's been able to see it more tangibly that he's really gone, oh, my God. You can see the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so, that's so interesting because for years my folks said, can you not, you don't, you've got a real job. You don't have to do the thing, the sketches on the side and everything. And then finally it got legitimised by a network and they were like, oh, that's really good. She does that. Yeah, I think my parents have like always supported me, but sometimes I've felt like I've had to, lie about things like yeah I'm definitely getting gigs when I haven't or right, right. you know I've needed to borrow money because I can't put petrol in my car or I can't register my car but I've, I've said that I'm doing okay 
but I've like you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what's like. Well, maybe I am an imposter because I lot just lied about how financially stable I was just yeah. then. But that but that was then though. This is now. It's different. Yeah. Like But you talk about like uh doing the sketches on the side. Like it's so funny when people like um It's just a generational thing. Yeah. Like I can't not do this. I always think um if everything went away, if my audience went away, which I'm so fucking lucky to have, I'd still be doing this because I love it. That's what makes the difference. And but I've always done this. It's between that. That's the. Di- I think that's the difference between someone like you and someone that is doing the same thing and not getting the viewership and not getting the likes and things like things like that. Is because they're in it for the likes. You're not. Nah. Big difference. I'm, that's. I'm shocked. This is what I'm saying. Like mm. this is this like imposter syndrome, low self esteem. Like I never. Like I never thought I'd amount to much. So when I look sometimes at at the views, I think that they're fake. I. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I yeah, look at yeah. them. Like you know, I almost have a million people following me, and I'm like. I just, it's like my brain can't compute it and go, that's good. I can't say to myself, you've achieved. I, I never say you've done well. Like I can, I'm so hard on myself and I wish I wasn't because it's yeah. so shit. But I also think that um, is a part of being human. And so I'm trying not to push so much against it and lean into it and just be like, I think that my vulnerabilities are my strongest point. And that if I stop being vulnerable, I won't connect and I want to connect and I want to be real and I want to be so real and I don't want to be anything other than real, which is confronting sometimes and, and you feel ex- exposed a lot of the time. But that's what people can resonate with. It's like, oh, my God, you know, she says what we're thinking. She says what we're out loud. We can go, that's, I know that feeling. You know, when I started making content, like video and radio, I thought I was quirky. Like, I was like, well, look at my quirky thoughts on life. And well, everyone. I'm just an, an alternative girl. Yeah. I was like, look at me being Zoe Deschanel, just quirky. And then I was like, oh no, I'm relatable. I actually didn't think, I thought I was weird. And it's not till I push harder into sort of more nuanced stuff that I go, oh. The more nuanced you are, the more specific you are with, with a feeling, the more relatable it is. And, and you, I, for so long, I thought I was an anomaly, but I'm actually really fucking normal. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just, well, well, normal, yes and no. Like, there, you know, it's, there's exceptional. You're exceptional as well. But, there's, but it's, the, it's, the, it's the normalness of the content that, that is, is so relatable because you're able to put it into words and put it into a video and put it out there. Half the people that want to do this don't get this far. They worry that it's going to suck. And they don't put it out there. I worry it's going to suck. But you just do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's the difference. Because then you blink and you look back and you've got a body of work. You go, oh shit, I just did all that. Yeah. And I think like you've got it. like I I took me so long to make my first video. Like I I wish I had started three or five years before I did, you know. And um, I think I'm so different to when I started. And I I think if anyone's like thinking about doing comedy or digital or whatever, creating any sort of work I guess um how you start is never how you finish and it's that evolution and that's why I don't delete any videos even though I think some of them are so shit I just I've heard that a few times (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that a few times that that just leave it up because I don't want anyone to think that I was I started any other way than I did like yeah well it's not genuine is it yeah yeah you want to keep the whole process up there like I'm like, oh really? God, this is so and you leave it up anyway. Yeah. Speaking of that, like, okay, so do you do you think that success comes from failing? Yes. Okay. I think I've failed more than anyone I know, and I'm 
I'm like thankful. God, I'm going to cry in this bloody podcast. I, I'm like so thankful. I'm so high on coffee and I've worked all day. Today. I know I've got you at the end. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Um, I love you and I would like literally whatever you want me to do. If you want me to like dance nude for you, Ovs, we'll do it. Oh, that's okay. For a fee. Um, no, <laughs> no, like I, I think I failed so much and it's, every time I failed I've learnt such massive lessons like um, I had, did an acting degree and then I did Screenwise and I went to NIDA and I've been to so many castings and I, I I hate admitting this but it's the truth I failed I didn't get any gigs I got callbacks but I never got anything you talk about failure like I wouldn't even be in radio if I hadn't failed at stand-up or I felt like I failed at stand-up I failed at stand-up high five yes <laughs> it's so hard it's the worst like I, I, uh, I remember I did my first ever set at the Edinburgh Fringe late at night. That's a fucking baptism of fire right there. And that's like bro. hardcore. That's like people people work for 10 years before they go to Edinburgh. No, See? but it was just like an open mic night. It wasn't like a show. It was just an open mic night. And I, I was there stage managing or producing another show. And by producing, I mean bare minimum and drinking. Yeah, um, yeah. handing out flyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not even, like putting them in the bin. Oh, God, I hope he's not listening. Um... But yeah, and then then I thought I'll I'll do uh, Raw, and I did Raw at the comedy uh, store store in Sydney, and I, I just remember the light. Oh God, it's taken me back. I remember the light on my face, and I couldn't remember a thing. You know, you go blank, and you go five minutes. And I, I remember saying my first joke, nothing. Second joke, nothing. And I just felt sick. And I think someone who's always sort of had. Uh, comic timing, someone who's worked in improv, somebody who's worked with teams and, you know, being funny, the funny girl, for that to land so flat was just, I, I, I don't think I got over it for like a year. And then I, I thought it was what I wanted to do, you know. I thought, oh, this, you know. I think you're better than that. Oh, this, <laughs> well, I thought, you know, this is all leading up to me being a stand-up. I'm meant to be in stand-up. I'm not supposed to be an actor. I'm supposed to be a stand-up. And I did it and it was so bad. It took me so long to get over. I was working as a dresser on Mary Poppins, the musical, like putting tap shoes on the dancers. Can I just go back for a bit of contest? So you've been through acting. Mm. You, that hadn't worked. Mm. And you were dealing with that. And you're like, okay, let's redirect and go throw everything into stand-up. Yeah. Or comedy. Into comedy. Yeah, but stand-up, I guess, was what I believed the natural path to be because I couldn't foresee another way. I don't know. Got it, got it. So you're working as a dresser for Mary Poppins on a show and you have to dress all the other was, performers. I had a breakdown during that show because I was putting the tap shoes on these and they were beautiful, wonderful people, but it wasn't that. It was what it symbolised. I was putting these tap shoes on these on these performers doing what I wanted to do. And, you know, you're in the black in the back and sometimes you'd stand too close to the wings and they'd say, just move out of the wings. And that was such a metaphor. <laughs> For me, I was like, I need to be on the stage. And um, prior to this, my job working as an actor was stage manager or props manager. So I've always worked backstage or produced theatre along the side of acting. Um, so, I, yeah, one of the um, girls on Mary Poppins said to me, you should do radio. And I was like, oh, my God. I never thought of it. I was 26 25, I think, just about. That's to turn like 26. my dream. I wanted to do radio at 25, and I had no idea. Yeah, how. yeah. And when she, and then like I was talking with the girls in the ensemble of Mary Poppins the musical, and they were like, "Oh, you should go to Whopper." And we looked at Whopper, and like I'm talking like with the people I was dressing. This is why I love them. That show changed my life. That show changed my course. Um, and I decided that I actually didn't want to go to radio school. I was going to wing it, and I went and volunteered at a radio station. So in you take risks, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I gave up my, like, really well-paying job as a dresser. I know that sounds really weird, but they paid you so much money. It was Disney. It was, like, 80K. Like, I'm Far out. five days a week. Oh, we're crazy. Like, it was ridiculous. Thursday, we'd roll in at 6. Friday, we'd roll in at 6 p.m. It was nuts. 
Such a like conveniently easy job. I was in Sydney. I still had the days to audition for for theatre and and acting work. So it was perfect, you know. And I was like, nah. Volunteered at a station called New FM in Newcastle, and I volunteered until I was good enough to go on the air and be paid. And the the pay was something crazy. It was like twenty six or twenty seven thousand dollars, and it was like six days a week. That's a big drop. Mm. And, and, And after this was like three months of volunteering as well, maybe more, maybe more. But I didn't care because I was like, I love this and this is fun and this is cool and I never would have considered this and it's live and it's improv and that's what I like and it's real. And I was like, this is where I need to be and I've been there ever since. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad that I failed in stand-up because without it I wouldn't be where I am. Yeah. So all my failings and that's why sometimes now when I fail I kind of go... I wonder what's going to come out of this. Yeah, right. Instead of going, ah, because you've learned that that's a pattern. Actually, initially I go, ah, fuck me. You know, like I have like a breakdown for several days and then I bring it up in bitter conversations with friends. But then I do go, no, it's meant to be. Everything, there's got to be some sort of fate. There's got to be some sort of reason. Why didn't I give up earlier? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had yeah, so yeah. many times I could have given up, like when I was living at my mum's house on the lounge because they didn't have a bed for me. You, you know, like things like but that. I've been there. I've yeah. been there. I came back from LA. That's exactly the situation I was in. And everyone thinks, oh, you've been in LA. It's glamorous. No, I, I went, I came back from LA, had a good job, had a, a pretty good life working as an editor there. And I came back and decided to tour my ill-fated comedy show around. <laughs> yeah. I went to, from that life to living in a van yeah. and on the dole. Yeah. And self-medicating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both illegally and legally. Yeah. And and then sleeping on my parents' couch when I got back to home and having nothing else, like destitute. Like, and then going, oh, you know when you hit rock bottom and you go, well, maybe I'll just be an escort. And then you look at the website. <laughs> <laughs> you look at the website and you go, oh, fuck, I can't compete with this. And also, like, I just lay there. So, like, I wouldn't be given much. I'd just be, I don't know, a receptacle for semen. <laughs> God, I hope that gets in the edit. <laughs> So how do you pull yourself out of it? Like how do you – like you have the breakdown and then you'd ask, but surely, yeah, so you have that internal dialogue of what's going to come of this, but what? how do you actually get out? What is, what's it like? Fuck, I wish I knew. Right. I just like happens, it's, eh? Yeah, it's different for every situation and I don't think I'm that uh, – as much as I am quite analytical, I don't think I'm that analytical. Like I, I fly by the seat of my pants for everything, like – you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, what's next? Oh, fill them on this. Oh, what am I doing here? Oh, you know, like, I, I, I don't know how I pull myself out of it. I guess I know that it's it's cyclic. Yeah. It'll always come back around and then it'll go back around again and, like, you'll be in the sun and then you'll be in the shade for a long time and then you come back out to the sun. And it, it, Is it acceptance? Accepting that that's it? Yeah. And it's also like, oh, I, this is all I want to do. I just want to tell stories. Yeah. I just want to be funny. Yeah. I want to. I want to make great stuff. I want to. I. I don't know. I think at the at the end of it is that I can't do anything else. This is what makes me so fucking happy. Like sometimes when I'm in front of the camera, I'm like, it feels like a 
fucking euphoria and like yeah. this is so exciting and that that feeling of like this is where I'm meant to be remembering that when I'm in that low maybe pulls me back out going no remember how great that feels when you make something and you create something that you feel is like not completely shit but a little bit shit because you think everything you make is shit <laughs> Do, you know what I mean like it's yeah, that yeah yeah but being around other creative people makes me feel less insane like you know hearing that you also doubt yourself makes me feel okay hearing that you go oh fuck makes me feel okay and I think sometimes hearing um, you talk about that like me makes me uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) really no like I like being around similar people with similar goals and similar you know it's funny that you say that because like you're you're an individual creator but you are really great in a team and I find that's like probably that stand-up was not for you it's it's not for me. It's such an individual pursuit. It's so um, I, I found Indiv- it quite isolating. Yeah, I don't so have it in me. I don't have it in me. No, I don't have the competitiveness. Mm. And yeah, no, I'm and much also better. My yeah. self talk is too nego. Like my self talk, like the girl in my head who goes, "You're not good enough. Everyone knows you're untalented. To- totally, you shit." Is too loud. She's too loud for me to 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 back myself in to do stand up enough. Totally. Do you? Completely yeah. agree. I, th- I think, you know, when, when you talk about the, the failing thing, um, you talk about... Imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome. That is the girl in my head who tells me I'm not good enough and I'm trying not to listen to her as much, but she's so loud and she's been there forever. She's just like, you can't do it. And it was too loud and I, I couldn't write because I was like, oh, everything I was writing wasn't good enough. And This is... Are you reading my brain? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's why I couldn't do stand-up. And also um, a lot of my videos include like some hairdresser or a pharmacist or whatever um, because I like, regardless of whether or not they want to be in the video or not, I like having someone to bounce off. Oh, totally. Like that's why I'm jealous of you because you've got a group of girls that you can bounce off, whereas I have to think of my ideas by myself, enact them myself. But that's a choice. That's a choice as well. Even if I don't, right, even if I do have to do a project on my own, I find people. Yeah. Like I, w- I was living, um, Jacques Barrett was living at my ha- place for a, a while and he would help me with writing jokes and stuff like that. Um, I find it good to get that male edge on things. Yeah, oh, that's it's, true. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And uh, always I'm, ask, I'm running things by people, always. Mostly men, strangely. yeah. Maybe it's growing up with brothers, I don't know. Like, and it may, Or maybe it's that weird male approval thing. Oh, <laughs> there's some Freud issue thing oh, there. Yeah, it always comes up. But it is that like being around a tribe of people who are similar to you. And I really notice when I'm around people who are not similar to me because I feel so different. It's like, yeah. oh, Tanya, she's creative. And it's like, oh, it's not like a thing to roll your eyes at. Like we wouldn't it's say that about nice a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, it's not nice when they look down on you. It's not, it's not. It's And it does happen. But then I get a bit worried that I look down on people that are not sometimes. I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to hear about your bathroom renovations, Kevin. Like, <laughs> Same. And I feel bad for that. I feel bad, but I, yeah. I just want to be inspired all the time. <laughs> now, I want to get to what's big picture for you. And I, and I think it might be a, a problematic question for you because the way you describe your life, it's like day-to-day gratitude. I'm doing what I love. I love what I do. And I don't know. I think that is big picture, right? Like, yeah, I want to be happy. Yeah. I think so much of being an artist or so much of being who I am is actually quite difficult because I'm, I'm a hard personality you know, to manage myself, if that makes sense. <laughs> like I'm up and down all the time. Yeah, right. I do struggle with the voice in my head that says I'm not good enough, which yeah. takes up a lot of energy. And I just really want to be happy. And I think I've searched for that. I think I'm not going to find it until I sort of just chillax a little bit. Like I just want to be happy. 
I, I want to get out of my head and I just mm. want to look around and be present and aware and be happy in the moment instead of going, what's next? Interesting. I, th- I, I would say that of you. I would say I'd get that impression of you. And if you're telling me that that's not what's happening, it's like, again, and you're like, I'm like, this is a confident I know, person. I person know. Who backs her own shit. This is a person who... And you're telling I, me all and this is the thing, I'm so got... confusing. <laughs> I'm so confusing. I'm like, yeah. you know, I worry about people listening to this and, and making a judgment of me. I worry about people reading stuff I've written that's really honest or, or whatever because I'm like, oh, I'm going to change. They're, they're going to hate me. But their, <laughs> love, their, their love is visible. I mean, I was sitting with you at that event, an event for industry professionals and everybody was coming up to you and we tried to bloody hide in the corner with Christian and people kept coming up to you and just like adoration, adoration, adoration. Like surely that's legitimising. Yeah, you'd think. But I think they're lying or I think it's weird and I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. It's really weird. Like my brain can't, this is what I'm saying. I see the millions of views and I don't connect in my head that it's, I don't know, I think it's fake or I think people are lying to me. It's like, it's just this imposter syndrome I have so real, like it's so real. Like maybe I should get diagnosed. Eh, I don't have the time for that. But no. big picture, I want to, I want to do a TV show. I want to do long form um, comedy um, and I'd love to work in the US. I want to work with a bigger budget. I want to work with creatives, like people who fucking froth comedy. Yeah. I want to be in in an environment where I could meet potentially Seth MacFarlane or Tina Fey or the girls from Broad City or Kate McKinnon um, on a platform where I'm maybe not equal, but I could be in a scene with Rub them or something. Shoulders. Yeah. Like, I love that saying. I don't know who says it, but work until your idols are your peers. Mm-hmm. I don't know who says that, but I really like. Well, that. Jackie O messaged me the other day, and I like oh, you know because wow. I'm a radio person. You know what I mean? Um, it was a big deal. She messaged me, and she was like, "Hey, oh no, I messaged her, and I said, oh, no, oh, I messaged the Kiss Facebook page or something, and I said, oh, this this is so funny. Jackie O dominates in this video. She's so funny, and she messaged me personally back, and she was like, you're so funny, and I was like, oh my god, trying not to fangirl because I thought I need to meet her as like like not fangirl over her so maybe we could collaborate because I think it's hard to collaborate with someone who's like fangirling you and it's weird. So I was trying to yeah. like be calm and cool but I was like, fuck me, it's Jackie O, you know. Yeah, I, see, I, know, I know what you mean. Like yeah. I'd, I'd love, yeah, like, or, you know, I've had a Chrissy Swan message me and she was like, you're really funny and like things like that where you're like someone who that you've observe, observed for so long saying that first of all they've seen your work and second of all that they like it. For me sometimes it's not even like... I don't know, peers becoming your rivals so much as peers acknowledging you. Because, well, not peers, but just people who are in some sort of stature acknowledging you because I just think it's so crazy that they would even watch my stuff and See, on like one, it. On, one, on one hand, Tanya, I'm like, don't change. Like, I want you to be not feeling like a fraud, but on the other hand, I'm like, you don't let anything get to your head and it's really endearing. Like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, you should accept how great this is. But then on the other hand, you're like, oh, I'm just stoked with everything. I'm and so it, stoked. Nice. Oh, like, I think I won some award this year, like this junkie um, video yeah, award yeah. for like content. And I was like, it took me days to get over because I was so emotional because I've never won anything before. You know, I didn't play sport as a kid because I was at singing lessons. You know, like I just, I never, I was I not a asthma. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, and, and a <laughs> sore foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I just never win. And, and I'm also just like, 
a failure. So to win this award um, for comedy, for something that I've strived and wanted my whole life, meant so much to me. And they were like, because oh, I've never won a trophy, right? And so I said to the, Henry, the guy who organised the, the junkie thing, I was like, do I get a trophy? And he's like, oh, it's like an online thing. You get a maybe a certificate if we could be bothered to print it off. And I was like, I almost want to print up my own trophy because this means so much more to me than, you know, because he was like, oh, you won, you know, next. But I was like, oh, my God, this is my moment in the fucking sun. I've won this award. Give me something to hold. Yeah, but, like, yeah. I still, I always, like, remind myself of that. I'm like, that was so cool how you won that award. <laughs> like, I just, um, I'll lose everything. I don't win anything. I feel like the ultimate fuck-up. And I, like, to, to win an award for comedy when when yeah like I can't tell you what it means to me and it feels like so strange because and it's really confusing for my brain because I don't think I'm worthy of it all and I'm like as long as I can convince them for long enough that I'm that I'm not shit or whatever they'll keep me around you know what I mean like I yeah yeah I constantly feel like I'm looking over my shoulder like when's this going to end because and I I do worry I'm like when will this finish because I've had a really good run this year and I worry I'm just gonna do something and fuck it all up and um, I'm glad for every single time I failed because it put me on the path of where I'm meant to be. And I'm glad that I'm here now because this is where I'm meant to be. Yeah, totally. So, like Fits I, like a glove. Yeah. But, and I still fail. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, I fail all the time. I got rejected from a TV show recently. I've, you know, sometimes I go on the air and, and fuck it up and, like, I feel like I fail sometimes there. Sometimes our ratings aren't great. I fail there. Like... There's lots of things that I fail at every single day. Like, I feel like um, I lean into failing and that almost is my brand. <laughs> right. Because like, it doesn't stop you. No. No. See, this is the thing. And the, probably my, my thing is if the more, the, heart, the, the more you mess it up, the worse it is, it's not so bad the next time. Mm-hmm. And it's not so bad like the next learn time. Learn from it. Yeah. Professionally, yeah, I had a show that completely tanked. Comedy mm. show that completely tanked, and it was a low point. I was like, I was um, contemplating, like, you know, on one day, um, how to drive the fucking. This is how low it was to be like in a city that no one knows you, and um, having a show that everyone hates. And by the way, everyone would love it now because I, I was ahead of the the bloody curve yeah. there, yeah, because it was a true crime show, and they were oh. like, well, true crime and comedy, no, that cannot happen. And look at it now, it's and exploded. Yeah, the oh, thing. Yeah, and a parody of that would be so right. Anyway, so uh, that was at the time, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I could just drive the van into the Yarra. Get it all over with. Like, mm. that's seriously what goes no, no, through your head. No, I've been there, totally. And then I put this, I got really drunk and put a, you know, rant on Facebook and then people were so sweet. Coming, like, uh, I, had a, I had someone who I thought was a friend, that mm. guy I was seeing just up and leave and just <gasps> delete me and stuff. Like, oh. couldn't handle it. He was travelling with me. He was a freeloading off me and stuff. What? Yeah, he was freeloading off me to help me with my show and then I had a breakdown and he just ghosted and deleted mm. me and stuff. Mm. Was so, like, but, then, but then there were other people that I didn't know quite well that you know in the creative arts and they were messaging me and saying stuff like um and someone who's incredibly successful I don't know if I want to name her because she shared some personal stuff with me but she's I look after her and I go holy shit she's got everything she wrote to me goes oh don't worry about it I was thinking about the most convenient way to get into a car accident so Mm. I wouldn't have to do the rest of the season oh my god that's so funny like uh, when I first started radio in Canberra I wanted to run into a tree because I just felt like I was failing so bad what's that like that low point like we know it everybody knows it oh god you know that the low is going to come back up and I think like knowing the cycle of it, particularly as an artist, 
Although I don't want to completely isolate other people who feel this stuff. Um, no, but we do, I think I think the artistic people are just a bit more vocal about it because it is such a part of the your process. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of your, yeah. Like I know it's going to come yeah. full swing, but in the moment, I, I felt like my heart was beating so fast. I felt like I was going to be sick every day. I was under my bed, like like what's it called? Like 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 a reverted to a, like a baby state. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. was terrified and I was scared of being in the studio and I just, I was, I felt like I was under so much pressure. Realistically, I wasn't, but I put what it on bothering myself. You? Yeah, okay, okay. I just, we took over from a radio show that were rating really, really high in, um, oh, not really high, but they were, they were well loved and, and we took over and, and um, the community hated us and were very vocal about that online and um, I took that to heart and I heard it. And I shouldn't have listened so hard, but I'd still, I'd not had that much experience with trolling and hate. So it was really raw and really real when people were telling me to hang myself. I'd, I'd never heard anyone speak to someone like that. I'd never been exposed to it. I, like, I know it sounds weird, but I'm kind of used to it now. Like, it's not okay, yeah, but I'm yeah. used to it because I'm online and I get it. So, like, it's a baptism of fire, really. The, the irony ironic part of this whole thing is that like you talk about failure like I wouldn't even be in radio if I hadn't failed at stand-up or I felt like I failed at stand-up yeah oh that's perfect way to end it <laughs> well I think you're a, a goddamn star Tanya the exact way you are the exactly boobs bulging are. out of a bra that's definitely ill-fitting wearing pair of pants that are definitely too small Tanya you are a 14 stop squeezing yourself into those 12s look at this I'm like a sausage roll in this why did you have to undermine my compliment Tanya because <laughs> uh, that's uh, my sense of humour and also that's kind of what this podcast was about I'm just proving my own point okay thank you so much for speaking with me oh my god girl it's a pleasure I girl. think you are a star so that's my pleasure <laughs> I love having my life views reaffirmed. I love the validation of someone saying, I go through that too. It's partly why I do this show, to have someone I admire, like Tanya, agree with the idea that failure is an intrinsic part of success. In a weird way, it makes me feel like anything is possible. Perseverance often gets misconstrued as simply the idea of try and try again. It's not relentlessly pushing forward with a single goal. It's trying and failing at a multitude of goals and it's the path you need to find instead. And it can go in a variety of different directions before you get to where you're going. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share your fails with me, you can contact me on my Facebook page or Twitter. Fail with Greta Lee Jackson is presented by me, recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or look me up on iTunes.